Excellent. We, uh, Sherry, on the way here, we were listening to radio. We listened to John Coltrane, a uh, good jazz artist, right? And, um, and if you think that that's not spiritual, he was a believer. So, uh, and um, and just just a great artist. And I just I'm serious. Well, they they've been raptured. Look at that. <laughs> oh, well, um, I think that's my standard joke. But uh, um, just seamless. which is great. Which just music really brings us into the throne room of God. And uh, and and th- you do a better job in three minutes than most pastors do in like thirty. So, Amen. That's right. So if I keep this to three minutes, we'll be good. <laughs> I will try. But um, I, <laughs> um, really quick, I, 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 Alex is a friend of mine, and, um, and he has me come and preach and feel informed, and I'm just so grateful. Uh, and so I know a lot of you, and some of you I don't know. And so you don't necessarily know our story or what's going on, but, um, and it's helpful for today. Anyway, so I just need to give you a little bit of background. Um, almost two years ago, um, I was in full-time ministry, and almost two years ago I was laid off at uh, Southwood Presbyterian Church. Um, uh, the church was going through some things and uh, got to a point where they needed to lay off some people, and so I was in the crosshairs, and I, I got laid off. And um, so prior to, I was in ministry for 12 years, and prior to that, three years in seminary, and prior to that, I was an architect. Um, that, was my under, that was my undergraduate degree, and, and so when I got laid off, I dusted off my architecture credentials and started working, like, right away. I had a friend here in town, and um, I was hired, and so that's what I've been doing. And, um, and there's a couple of things and reason why that's important. Uh, the first thing is, I just need to tell you, it hasn't been easy. Uh, my idea was, and my plan for my life was that I was going to be in ministry from here on out. Uh, that's what I knew I was going to do. And as Yogi Berra said, I came to the fork in the road and I took it. You know, I <laughs> um, and so and it hasn't been easy. It's been uh, kind of a rough almost two years. Uh, that's the first thing you need to know. The second thing is, is that... Um, uh, we're back to sort of being a regular attender at a church. Uh, we attend a church here in town, and, um, and I work. And so um, I'm relearning uh, all the things I had forgotten. Um, being a regular member of our church and working, I had forgotten how hard that is, uh, frankly. Um, I had just, uh, just going through being a member of a church and working Monday through Friday and some Saturdays, right? I had forgotten how hard that is. I had forgotten the stress that comes with that. I had forgotten, uh, and back in business, you know, the personality clashes. Uh, I had kind of, I'd forgotten about, um, you know, the second guessing of yourself, uh, the self-doubt that is just there all the time. And um, I'd forgotten really how walking with Jesus in the business world, how hard that can be. And so I'm here sort of standing before us, um, just like, wow, I never thought I'd be here uh, I relate more to us now than I do anybody else now in the church. And so um, what I did was as I thought about, well, what could I preach this morning? And I've had opportunity to preach over the past couple of years, and I, I try to write new ones every time just to sort of keep my chops going, I guess, is the phrase. Uh, but this time I wanted to do something. I went back to an old sermon I preached a, a number of years back at Southwood. I don't expect anybody that was there at Southwood to remember this, but just in case you do, I'm sorry. But, um, uh, but I went back and looked at it. Because I wanted to think about when I preached to a group of people then, a number of years ago, um, would it feed my soul now? Because I was preaching to people just like me now, right? Just like us. And I wanted to know if I could feed my soul on what I preached then. Uh, Let me tell you, um, I did and didn't feed my soul as I reviewed it. And as I give it to you, you're going to feed on it on some level and not feed on it on on another level. 
Because as I read through it and as I uh, marked up and changed it some, um, I realized there was truth there, God's truth. But I, I, and, and I would think that maybe after you hear this, you would change instantly. Um, it would make a difference instantly. But the truth is, we have to work at this. God gives us his truth, and these things are true. And, they, and they, they're, they're in our minds, but we've got to let it soak deep into our soul, and we've got to work at it. And so I'm going to give you something that made a difference, but it's not going to change you just like that. It takes work. And we've got to take this truth and drill it down very deep into our hearts. Okay, and so um, here's the text for this morning. It's in Romans chapter 8. Right, a big, heady chapter. Well, I'm, you know, I'm going to take a few verses, and I'm going to skip a lot of good stuff. And I'm going to go right to one thing, okay? Um, and that one thing I want you to look for as I'm reading through the text now, it's a word. And um, what I used to do with my kids when they were little, I would, um, when we would go hear sermons and stuff, I would give them a couple of words and say, when you heard those words, like mark a tick and count how many times you hear it. And so maybe if you're a little kid, maybe if you're an adult you want to pay attention to, um, here's the word. It's, it's heirs. Okay, H-E-I-R-S. I'm a horrible speller, so I hope I spelled that right. But what it means, it's heirs. Like if you're, uh, you're an heir to a fortune, your family's rich and you inherit it. So every time I say heirs or heir, mark it down and then come afterwards and tell me how many times I said it. Maybe. Okay, maybe not. I don't know. So, um, but if the word is heirs, and I w- that truth, what, what, what I'm going to give to you is that that truth needs to sink deep into our hearts. And we need to think about what does it mean that we're heirs. Okay, and so let's read the text. Listen out for the word, because I'll say it's, Paul says it a number of times here. And so now, I'm going to read the God's written word, and then give you God's preached word. Here now, the written word of God. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. This is the written word of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, I thank you for this truth. Lord, we uh, live in a world uh, Monday through Friday and then Saturday through Sunday where it seems as if um, it's like swimming against the tide, uh, swimming against the stream, Father. And so, Lord, let this truth that we're heirs, that we're heirs to you, that you lavish upon us all your riches and they're ours in Christ Jesus. Let that truth change us as we live in a world that wants to take us the opposite direction. So, Father, let this truth sink deep into our souls now and let us fight for this truth. Let's not ever give up fighting for this truth to make it real in our lives so that we look like Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. All right, so what I want to tell you is that in general, now, you know, sort of, I think all of our lives are frantic on some level, right? I mean, we were busy. We've got things going on, or we're working, or we're looking for work, or we're, or we're doing things that just keep us busy and frantic. And so every morning when I wake up, I feel behind immediately. I'm thinking of all the things I left undone. <laughs> um, like if it's Monday morning, I'm thinking about what I forgot to do on Friday. I think about how far I'm behind. I think about how angry the client's going to be. I just think about all of that sort of stuff. And then I think of uh, how I'm failing as a, as a husband. 
I mean, I'm just thinking, oh, man, I got this I need to do and that I need to do as a father. Uh, it just seems very frantic. There's just so much that's going on all the time. Just so much we need to do, we want to do. Uh, the, our hopes and dreams are just, they're all there every morning that we wake up and I just feel behind a lot of times. It's just a frantic life and it can be, right? All right, so when the day is done, I'm spent most days. We just are. Uh, and so uh, with hundreds of channels on cable, with really nothing on, I tend to find something just to turn my brain off. Um, there was a show years ago. I think it may still be on. And this is how old this sermon is. But it's still, I use this illustration all the time. It's partly why I wanted to go back and think this through to see if it can speak to my soul. There's an old show called uh, What Not to Wear. Does anybody remember that show? Okay. It's a, it's a show. It's a makeover show. Um, it's a show... Um, where um, you could be on it, by the way. And the reason why you could end up on it is because your friends and family put you on it. All right? Because they look at you, and they look at your hair. And if you're a woman, they look at your makeup, and they look at your clothes, and they go, man, you can do better. You're <laughs> Let's get them on the show and to do a makeover. And that's what they did on the show. Your so-called friends and family would put you on this show. And... Um, it was Clinton and Stacy were the names of the host, the guy and a girl, right? And so you got ambushed, and all of a sudden you're on the show. And if you agreed to be on it, they would take you away for like three or four days to New York. And they would make fun of you, number one. They would look at all your clothes and make fun of you. And then your hair, they'd make fun of that. And your makeup, they'd make fun of that. But they would also do guys, too. Um, and they would teach them how to buy clothes, right? And how to put on makeup and how to fix your hair. All kind of frivolous stuff. Only in America, right, do we care about that stuff. And we have TV shows dedicated to it. And fools like me watch it. Yeah, there you go. Two, there's two of us. Amen, brother. <laughs> um, now, the thing about the show, right, I liked, the, I liked about it because it was a transformation, right? And there were some takeaways that I had. And one of them, for the guys, this is really going to ruin your life, by the way. Um, here's a rule, because they, if they ever had a guy on the show, they would teach them some things. And one of the things I always remember, and it just messes up my life. It messed up my life this morning. I'll tell you why. But he, what Clinton said was that, listen, Here's what you do. Here's a rule of thumb. Your socks are supposed to match your pants. Guys, your socks are supposed to match your pants. Richard, you failed. Um, I went through the dirty clothes to find these this morning. I was not going to not have them match, all right? <clears throat> but that's a rule that you're supposed to do. Your socks are supposed to match your pants. That's from now on. That's the deal. And so here's the thing. My mornings become more frantic now because I'm thinking about everything, but now I've got to match socks with pants. And so now some mornings, if I don't have socks that match my pants, it sets the trajectory for the day. I'm kind of down. I just, I'm, you know, I know my pants don't match my socks. But then those mornings when they do, I kind of, you know, I get a little kind of pep in my step and I'm about to go. But honestly, isn't it kind of crazy um, that, it could control that much. I can have my identity that much wrapped up in something like that. Um, and that's kind of how life is. Now, I do all this because I want us to remember something. Because I think what happens to us many times is, see, our hopes and our dreams, all the planning that we do for our lives, we, wanna, we, don't, we want it to match up with reality. Okay? We want our socks to match our pants. Because if our socks match our pants, if all of our hopes and dreams, all the things we plan to do, all the places we want to be, all the things we want to achieve as whatever role in life that you're doing, you want it to match up with reality. You want it to be that, right? You want your life to be just like that. But you know, the truth is, many, many times, most times, that our hopes and our dreams, the 
things we want, the way we want our life to go don't match our pants. They don't match reality. And so what consequently, guess what? If your circumstances are like that, they don't match up, that your hopes and your dreams, what you wanted life to be doesn't match up with reality, you could be down. It just pulls you down. It's just it can, the weight of that can crush you. You, you feel like a loser. You can kind of go about things and you already just feel down. You just feel like something is missing. I am missing out on something. Then there's the rest of us, some of us in the room where we've had all, I'm, I'm checking, man. You're a type A person. You've been checking the box ever since college or pre-college, whatever it is that you're doing. You've met everything along the way. And your life's going the way you want it. But guess what? You still feel like there's something missing, even though your socks match your pants. Right? And so there's two types of people in the world. And I think it was Bertrand Russell said the two greatest tragedies in the world are not getting what you want and then getting what you want. Having your socks match your pants or not match your pants. And I think that's where we are. And so we can be people who are very circumstantial in, in the weight of how we think things should go. And if they're not going that way, we can be down. And if they're going that way, I think the, uh, Proverbs 30 says that, you know, give me neither poverty nor riches. Because if you give me riches, I'll forget you. And if you give me poverty, I will curse your name. And so I think we want to figure out well, how to live and be content. Where is that place we can find quiet contentment, a, a bold humility? Where is that place? Because a lot of times our dreams don't match up to reality. Our socks don't match our pants. And then when they do match, when it matches up, man, we just, where is this? Where is Jesus in that? Where is he? Because we can forget him. So how do, we, how do we do this? How do we fight for this? Wh- where is this? Because like, I can't be the only person that struggles with this. Right? Isn't that kind of how we are? Kind of back and forth, back and forth. Socks match. They don't match. You know, all that. All right. So I think we want to find out the answer. What do we do? How do we uh, go forward? Um, so since we agree, there are two types of people in the room. Um, when your socks match your pants and you get to that place, you thought you would be happy. Or if they don't match, you think, man, how did I get here? The great thing is God didn't leave us alone. He gave us his word. He gave us his word. And in this passage, even this morning, this passage, uh, we can see what God has given us. Uh, he's, he wants us to believe something. And believing sounds kind of easy, but actually it's hard work. Because you've got to believe it, man. When life isn't going the way that you want it, when your socks don't match your pants, you've got to fight for this. It's even harder when things are going your way. You've got to fight for this because you can get arrogant. Because guess what, man? When I feel like, listen, when I, my pants match my, you know, I'm thinking, dude, your pants, your socks do not match your pants, and I'm better than you. All right? It's just, you know, you can get like that. Isn't that just awful? We can feel that way about other people. So how do we keep that humble boldness? Where does it come from? It comes from the gospel. It's in our passage. And so let's take a look at it. I'm in, back in Romans 8, starting in verse 12. Right? Here we go. We're just going to go through this and talk about it. So here we go. Paul saying, God's word. So then, brothers, we are debtors. Not to the flesh. We don't owe the flesh anything. That's essentially what he's saying. Uh, because he just got finished talking, in the, and through really all through all of Romans, and in particular really um, focused here in chapter 8, just saying we are led by the Spirit. You're led by the Spirit. The Spirit indwells you. You're no longer, you owe your flesh nothing. And Paul says in the next chapter, uh, the chapter 7, right before this, he talks about the uh, you know, sin is like a, a law that works in us. Like our flesh is like a law that works in us. 
It's like the law of gravity, right? You know, you, you're, you're here on the earth because of the law of gravity. It pulls you down. Sin is that way in us, too. It's like a law. It just sort of just works against us all the time. But he's saying, look, you no longer owe your flesh anything. You're not in debt to your flesh anymore. We have to believe that. We've got to fight to believe that. And he says, uh, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. It will kill you. It will just wear you down. It will crush you. Because you believe that truth or you're, you're, you want to go after what the flesh wants to go after. You want to grab all the gusto in this world, man. You want your socks. Man. You want everything that this world has to offer. And you're going to go for it. It will kill you. It will crush you. Because if you don't get it, it will crush you. If you get it, it will crush you. Right? So Paul is saying, uh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. All right, so we need to live by the Spirit. Paul's stressing this. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. So we have a new identity. We have a new identity. We don't look down to our feet anymore for identity. We don't look down to they match. We don't look to that. We don't look to our circumstances anymore. We look to a truth. We are sons and daughters of the King. And he even presses more on this. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. And he's saying you no longer are indebted to anyone. You don't have to be a slave to your flesh anymore. You don't have to live by that. Um, in fact, he says um, uh, you don't have to fall back into fear. We know, uh, uh, Apostle John says that there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear. So um, we need to look somewhere else for our hope, not in ourselves, not in our flesh, not in your achievements. Man, who cares? Who cares about what you achieve in this world? You know, it's like caring if your socks match your pants. It just doesn't matter, right? So he's saying uh, clearly that it's, it's, it's not fear that you need to fall back into. So if you're falling into fear, it's because you're believing something other than the truth of the gospel. So he says, that, you know, we need to focus on love, truly, but then so he, the way that he points us to that is to say, who are you? You're a son and daughter of the king. Um, so he says, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Right? We, have, um, we call him our father, uh, Abba, Father. It's like the Aramaic is Abba, Father. It's in the Greek. And so he really is our father completely. Some would say that's sort of like saying daddy. Well, maybe it is. I don't know. I think it's, it's a truly he is our father. And you have to believe that. You've got to fight to believe that he's our father. Every day, you've got to fight to believe he's your father. Um, and then verse 16, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So, man, inside of us, the Holy Spirit is constantly telling us the truth. Are we going to listen? We can listen to the flesh. We don't owe the flesh anything. Are we going to listen to the spirit in us that speaks to our spirit? Are we going to drive that home and really, really believe it? That's the question. Uh, And if children, then heirs. Here it is. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. And so that's who we are. We're we're heirs to the Father. He gives us everything. And we're fellow heirs. We're co-heirs with Jesus. What he receives, we receive. It's ours. What what is his is ours. Uh, The blessings that he receives are ours to receive. uh, His future is our future. Jesus has a glorified body in heaven forever. We will have a glorified body in heaven forever. We will miss nothing on this life. If you think you're missing something, you're wrong. You will never miss a thing. You think you're running out of time to accomplish this? Guess what? You will have time. We had uh, years ago uh, at Southwood, we had one of my professors from seminary came and preached. 
And he, he was talking about something similar to this, saying that, you know, we will miss out on nothing. And so there are, you know, all kinds of people think, I need this vacation. I need to go to Paris. Oh, I've got to see Paris, right? Uh, if I don't see Paris, I, I will miss out on something. I've got to see Paris. And he said, no, you will miss out on nothing because Paris in the new heavens and new earth will be far beautiful, more beautiful than the Paris now. So we will miss out on nothing. I think that's why we're frantic a lot. We think we're missing something. When our socks don't match our pants, our life doesn't match up to our hopes and dreams, we think, I'm missing out. Then you've got everything you want. And you go, man, was that it? Really? That's it? So that's who we are. That's what we struggle with. But who we are are heirs, and we will miss out on nothing. Because look what it says even here. This is hard to take, y'all. We're heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. As a fellow heir, Jesus suffered, will suffer. Um, suffering comes in many forms, right? It's when our socks don't match our pants. The life doesn't match up to what we wanted. It's suffering. It can be hard. It can be daily difficult. Uh, and there's all kinds of other sufferings. But that's how God uses, and he uses to make us into the image of Jesus. And we have to believe that. Now, that's the hard thing. That's the hard thing. It's hard to believe that, right? It's hard. So how do we believe it? Well, one of the things that we need to think about is that if we're heirs, one of the things that we know from uh, just history, um, it, back in the day, you had to be the firstborn male to inherit everything. Okay? Um, and so that was a tough place to be if you were the female in the family. You might have even been female and born first, but your brother who's born second, he's the first male, he gets everything. But in Christ, there's, male, there's neither male nor female. In Christ, we're all the oldest son. We all receive what Jesus received. We get what he receives. That's what we inherit. That's great. But how, does, how do we drive that home? How do we drill that down? I, I'm going to go back to, uh, um, this is almost embarrassing, I'm going to go back to what not to wear to try to illustrate this, okay? <clears throat> back, a few years back, the show What Not to Wear broke from their normal programming to have a competition. I don't know if you remember this. But they, um, so on the show, they would make over your hair or your makeup or your clothes, right, if you were a female. So what they did was they said, all you viewers that want to be on the show and you think you can do makeup, you think you can do clothes, you think you can do hair, let us know, send in your videos like they do on Survivor, and we'll pick some people and they'll compete to see who is the best hair person, the best makeup person, or the best clothes person. So they had people on for a competition. And um, I think they maybe had like six people for each category. So it was like six weeks worth of competing, right? They would get people off the street and messy hair, and they'd fix their hair, and then you'd vote on who was the best one, right? So um, that show went on with the typical things you see on shows like that. Because guess what? These people that were on the show wanted to make something of themselves. Many of them were in their one job, and they wanted to be a makeup artist. And if they could just win this competition, their life would change forever. So they were there to get have their hopes and dreams match up to reality. So on this show, when people are trying to get to meet their hopes and dreams, guess what happens? There's clashing, they're arguing, you know, and there's lying and there's cheating, and then there's emotions. When you're told your hairstyle is as good as this one, you're off. You know, there's tears, there's emotions, there's crying. So there was all this thing. There's people wanting to have their dreams met on this show. And we're watching this week after week, and when you're sort of voyeuristically watching, you know, it's... Um, it's like watching a train wreck, I know. It's just, it's, um, but here's the thing. There was one person on this show that didn't get emotional. 
He wanted to win, but he didn't get emotional. Uh, when he was told, you know, that's not as good as this one, he was kind of like, eh, okay. Whereas everybody was kind of crying or upset, he was like, eh, okay, no problem, good. He made it fairly far into the competition, if I, if I recall right. But um, there was something about him. What, what made him aloof to, uh, he would compete, but he wasn't caught up in the emotions. He wasn't caught up in the circumstances. If he was told it was awful, it was like, eh, okay. Turns out he was uh, an heir to an oil fortune. Now, now we're all like, oh, man, I could do that too, you know. <laughs> I could go on, you know. Yeah, if I win the lottery, I'm good, you know. I could be fine. But that was the deal. He was an heir to an oil fortune. He was going to get money no matter what. He was set for life. So he was able to operate in a world where there's competition and there's backbiting and there's emotions. And, he, you know, he wanted to be the best sort of design guy. Um, but he wasn't caught up in the circumstances. They didn't crush him and they didn't overinflate his ego. He was just cool. He had, uh, he had quiet confidence. He had uh, even like a humility. He would sort of help other people, it seemed like, if I recall right. At least that's what I want to believe he was doing. But he stood out. He stood out to the rest of them. Everybody else was a mess. He wasn't. And see, I think that's what we have in Christ. Right? When Paul says that we are heirs, we're co-heirs with Jesus, but then he says, guess what? You're going to struggle. It's going to be hard. There's going to be part of it where there's a struggle. Where does the quiet confidence come from? Where does our hope come from? It comes from Jesus. Let me tell you what we have to do. We have to fight for this truth. We have to believe it. And we have to fight to believe it. Because when we get up every morning and we feel behind, or we feel good, our pants match our socks, or they don't, just depending on the day, we can get crushed by it or we can be over, overinflated by it. And we can forget Jesus or we can curse him. Depending on how, whether our pants match our socks or not. And so what we have to do is believe the truth and fight for this. Here's what I want to tell you. We don't need to look down, for our ident- down to our feet. We don't need to look down to our feet for our identity. We need to look to the pierced feet of Jesus. We need to look there. See, Jesus was the true heir. He, in fact, had it all. It was his. He had, he had everything. His residence was the throne room of God. He had it all. He had the relationship, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He had pure love in in its deepest, infinite form. It was all his. And he gave it up. He gave it up to share his inheritance with you and me. And when he gave it up, uh, he, he gave it up so that you and I would never experience what he experienced. Um, you see, he would have never known a moment of humiliation, yet he gave it all up to be humiliated for us on the cross. Um, he had it all, and it was a big deal to him, but he, he gave it up. And he said, come and be a fellow heir with me. And you see, we think we're going to miss out on something. And when we get all that we ever wanted, we still feel empty. You see, Jesus had all that he wanted and he emptied himself. You see, he had it all and gave it up for us. He missed out on the love of the Father for that time on the cross so that we would never miss out on his love. He gave up everything so that you and I would miss out on nothing. And so we don't look to our feet, which is a metaphor for our circumstances. We can't look there. We can't look there. I'm telling you, it kills me many days. It crushes me when I do. 
I have to take my eyes off of my circumstances. I have to put them on Jesus. I have to look there. And in fact, when I, I, listen, if my wife needs to do a podcast because she comes to me many mornings and says, man, here's what I saw in my, here's what God showed me in my quiet time. So exceptional. She, um, she'll go through, um, it's like 365 days of hymns, I think is what that little devotional book. And she shared something with me months and months ago. Just kind of this old hymn. And the name of the hymn is Never Further Than Thy Cross. That's the name of the hymn. Because what we need to be is there at the foot of the cross. And this is what the hymn says. It says, Never further than thy cross. Never higher than thy feet. See, that's where we need to be. That's where we need to go. That's, that's, that's our place. When our socks match our shoes or they don't, it doesn't matter. Our pants, it just doesn't matter. We need to be there. And this is what the rest of it says. You get the picture right at the foot of the cross, right? Never further than that or never higher than his feet. And this is what the next couple of lines say. Here, earth's precious things seem dross. And you know what dross is? If you take a precious metal and you, uh, you heat it up and it boils, the, the, the dross goes to the top and you skim it off. The dross is the junk. It's the garbage in it. So you scrape it off and then, it, then it's pure. And so what, they, what this hymn writer says is that at the foot of the cross, here, earth's precious things seem like junk. Right? Because guess what? We want life. We want our, we want our hopes and dreams to match up with our um, reality. But so much of the things we want are junk. And so if we spend time at the cross, they seem like junk, and we finally go, ah, my identity's not wrapped up in that. I don't care. I don't need that. I don't want that. You know, it, it can't beat you up then. It can't weigh you down. So there at the foot of the cross, the precious things of earth seem like dross. And the last line says, here earth's bitter things grow sweet. Because at the foot of the cross, how can they grow sweet? Because as you go through the troubles of life, as you find that you're in that place, man, my socks don't match my pants. This is not the way I thought it would be. We sometimes will go, God, you must be punishing me. But at the foot of the cross, we look up and we see that Jesus is the one who took our punishment for us. And so we can't conclude that this is punishment. How dare us do that? It's not punishment. It's God working in us to make us into the image of Christ. So it's not punishment. But then when we look at the cross into the face of Jesus, we see the glory of the Father. We see pure love there. And so we conclude this, that we look at what he did to love us and so we must believe that God loves us. The Father loves us. He, call, he lets us call us Father. He lets us call him Father. And so he loves us. Therefore, what you're going through, the struggle and the pain, has a purpose. Because he loves us. That's, we have to fight to believe that. At the foot of the cross, no further away than the cross, no higher than his feet, that is the gospel. That's where we need to be. That's where you and I, you've got to, cheer us on to be there. I need to cheer you on to be there. We need to point each other and say, man, let's go back to the cross, man. Let's go back here. See, I have to believe that. We have to believe that. I've got to fight every day to believe that. Because if my socks aren't matching my pants, man, I can be crushed if life isn't matching up to what my hopes and dreams were. And, if, and, and the fool that I am, when it ever does, I could probably forget Jesus. I could just go, man, I got my act together. I need to stay at the cross. Okay, so finally, let me just wrap this up. So if you're bitter with God now, you never thought life would be like this, 
You know, when you married him or her or you, uh, you know, your marriage broke up and here you are, a single parent, or you never were able to fight. You know, whatever your circumstance is, you can be bitter with God. I can understand that. We need to go back to the foot of the cross. We need to stay there. We need to remember how much he loves us. We can remember that he is the one that is directing our lives because he wants us to look like Jesus. That's what Paul was saying. It's clearly, if you're, if you're an heir, then you will suffer. He wants us to look like, but then there's glory. There's glory to come. And so if things are just fine, you've met all your goals, and there's, you feel like there's more out there, man, there isn't. The only more that you need to do is to die to self, to sit, go back to the cross and look up and to see your sin of complacency, your sin of uh, self-sufficiency. Jesus died for that. It was your and my sin that put him there. And we need to die to ourselves again and again. We need to fight for this and fight for this and fight for this. So here's what I want you to do between now and next Sunday as I close. You've been listening to yourself long enough. I have. I've got to stop. I beat myself up most weeks. I wonder how I ever got here. What happened? But I need to go and stop wandering away from the cross. I need to remember, and it's what I want you to do, don't ever get further away than the cross and never higher than his feet. Stop looking at your feet, your circumstances. Look to his and fight for that. And you and I fight for that. And when we see each other, let's remind each other to fight. And then let's talk about how God is bringing glory to your life. He's changing you, and you're dying to this world. You're dying to the flesh. You're living to Christ. That's what we need. That's what we need. See, I told you, this isn't going to fix it. This sermon, you're not going to go, okay, done, I'm good. We have to now go put on the full armor of God and fight and fight and fight and fight for this truth to be real and never give up, y'all. Don't ever give up. And don't let me give up. Please, don't let us give up. All right, let's pray. Father, um, thank you that we could see Jesus this morning. Being filled with the Spirit means we see Jesus. Because the Spirit wants us to see Jesus. The Spirit points us to Jesus. The Spirit wants us to die to self. The Spirit is testifying with our spirit that we are heirs and sons and daughters of the King and that we have everything. Yeah, yeah, we feel like we're on a competition. We're fighting for everything. But guess what? We're oil heirs. <laughs> we, we have it all in Jesus. Everything that's His is ours. So, Lord, let us believe that. Let us not believe the lie of this world. This neighborhood needs to be transformed. This city needs to be transformed. But first, start with our hearts. Man, my heart is a mess. I don't want to be frantic anymore. I don't want to um, wake up feeling behind. I don't want my sleep interrupted. I don't want uh, my relationship with my beloved bride, Sherry, to be interrupted. I want my kids to have me and not not, uh, little leftovers. And, uh, Lord, I want my neighbors and those that are are my neighbors, uh, to see the love of Christ. I can't do it in my own strength, Father. I'm a a terrible God. Uh, My kingdom is a mess. You're an amazing God, and your kingdom is everything. We pray this now in Christ's name. Amen.